Hello, hello, fearless listeners. Are you ready for another episode of Let Fear Bounce? It's the podcast that's all about conquering challenges and facing our fears. I'm your host, Kim Langling, and each week we'll dive into inspiring stories, expert insights, and practical tips to help you turn your fear into your greatest ally. So sit back, relax, grab that cup of coffee, and let's discover how to make fear our bouncing board towards a life filled with endless possibilities right here on Let Fear Bounce. Have you asked yourself who's going to take care of your pet should something happen to you? Well, I've got an answer for you. The do-it-yourself pet estate will kit that gives you peace of mind that your family pet will be cared for when you are no longer physically able to care for them. With easy step-by-step instructions that guide you through the task of completing forms necessary to add your furry loved one to your existing will. Visit KimLanglingAuthor.com to find out more. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host, and I am so happy that you're going to spend just a small part of your day with myself and Brian Sachetta. He is an author and the owner of Get Out of Your Head, a brand series that seeks to help folks overcome anxiety and depression. And by trade, Brian is a software developer. He combines his experiences in the tech world with previous mental health battles to draw parallels between computer systems and the human mind and give readers practical strategies for evading their own psychological demons. Boom. Mic drop on that one, Brian. Yeah. I love the name. I love the name. Get out of your head. Well, first off, hey, welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kim. I've been looking forward to this conversation because I like your website. I love the name of your books. You've got two books out there that we are going to touch on and talk about a little bit because we certainly want to get those out there. But first off, I want to find out just a little bit about you and where Get Out of Your Head came from. Yeah, there's probably a a decent backstory, right? Um, I have to go back in time, let's say a decade or so. So where the journey began or as I like to say, in high school, dealt with anxiety a lot, didn't necessarily deal with depression as much, but it was in there a little bit. And then when I got to college, I really dealt with anxiety quite a bit. And it was it was mostly social anxiety. And I guess for me, I didn't know how to deal with those sorts of things. I didn't know what feelings I was feeling. I, could, I wasn't able to put labels on them, put names on them, right? I was like, in my mind, I am wildly nervous about going to a specific social situation, going on a date with a girl that I like, things of that nature. The difficulty for me, again, I I didn't have labels to assign to my experiences. And then because I didn't have the labels, I couldn't really go and Google things, go online and try to find out more information. I just didn't have, I guess, the base layer of knowledge that I needed to then be able to go say, all right, here is the problem, right? Now I'm going to go on this journey to figure out how to solve that problem. And don't get me wrong, I got there eventually. But you know, in 2008, the world was a little bit different. The internet was a lot different, right? So nowadays you can go onto Amazon and there are charts for basically every disorder. And you can say, I have OCD, I have anxiety, I have depression. And I'm just going to go buy the top 10 books in, on each of those, you know, the charts corresponding to those diseases. Um, 
it's possible that those charts existed, but I, I would guess in 2008, they were a little bit lacking. They were a little more generic, right? So here I am as an 18-year-old at college, not knowing what I'm dealing with, not knowing how to find solutions on what I'm dealing with. Um, I would say fast forward 10 or so years, right? The, uh, the Where the brand came from and where that journey led to was me identifying the fact that I dealt with anxiety a lot, right? And occasionally I dealt with depression and more so at the, the back half of those 10 years. But that's, a, I guess we'll get to that story at some point. Um, and basically just saying, okay, I'm living with anxiety. I experience it on a regular basis. I now have picked up some strategies through various outlets, whether it's, you know, books on tape, a journal article that I read, um, if it was going to the psychiatrist's office and then them giving me a strategy, the process for me was basically going then to all these different social situations or even just other situations that made me nervous in my life and trying out some of those strategies. And as I as I took those tactics and applied them in my own life, I started to realize that there was a bit of a pattern, right? It was like, the more that I go into my mind, the more that I ruminate on certain things, the more that I chew over scary ideas, the worse I feel. And so get out of your head. The moniker there is basically trying to encapsulate the idea as to say, the more you think over your problems, the more you ruminate and stew on them, the worse you're going to feel. And so the idea, right, is to in one way or another, whether it's the strategies that I outline in my books, the ones I was referring to a minute ago, or some other ones that you pick up, what we want to do when we're feeling, you know, lousy from a from a mental standpoint is try to distract ourselves from the chaos swirling in our minds. So that's like the ethos of the brand. And then, you know, I've got those two books that you alluded to, and then I do some blogging and podcasting and stuff like that. So all of those endeavors are part of the mission of helping folks understand how their mind works, the tricks that the mind tries to play on them, um, and then also like um, discover strategies that, strategies that help them get out of their own minds, put their thoughts down, get back into their bodies and enjoy their life a little bit uh, once again. You know, and it's it's always good. And as one who lives with PTSD, I have found, and I call it my toolbox. There's, I've, I've picked up all kinds of tools and tricks and hacks that I just tuck on down in my toolbox and pull them out when I need them. Now, it wasn't always so easy. Like you said, you know, back in the day, there wasn't, well, there may have been things available. I just wasn't aware of them. And you had said the same for yourself. But also you said, you know, when you let that, that chaos of your mind at times, you let that stuff, it just sits in there and stews. I've often referred to that as, you know, or I'll say to myself out loud. I found if I say things out loud, it gives a little more power. But I'll say to myself, Kim, get get that out of your head. You're you're letting you're giving that that thought space rent-free and you're giving it power. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, and I've, I've lived with anxiety and depression. I have had panic attacks at home and in public that just come out of nowhere seemingly and stop you in your tracks. So I understand, you know, at least for me, I call it the toolbox, you know, and I understand what you're talking about. I had built my toolbox up, which I'm so glad that I did. And I had mentioned earlier with panic attacks, how they seemingly come out of nowhere. Now I know that they don't, but at the time you feel like you're stopped in your tracks and you're stuck and you're stuck in your head there for a second and your chest tightens up, your jaw clenches, you sweat, you can't breathe well, you might start hyperventilating and you go into this tunnel vision type of 
phase. So is that something that you're familiar with or, you know, the seemingly out of nowhere? What are your thoughts on that? Because I know that they don't come out of nowhere, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's really funny or like the thing that I like to talk about here, I think, you know, just having a cool open dialogue is so that seemingly part, it's it's almost like if you get into the semantics of it, it like the panic attacks do come on quickly, right? Because one minute you are maybe you're on edge, maybe you're relaxed, but you're not like, I guess, wildly, wildly nervous. You go from some other state to a state of, you know, really extreme anxiety really quickly. So there is a quick shift. I guess the thing that I... I kind of wanted to ask about was in those moments and I, and I can talk about my own experiences as well as did you feel as though like you were sort sort of already like a little nervous, a little on edge before it kicked in all the way, or were you like, I'm chilling, I'm relaxing. And then the next thing I know, boom, like it really hit, hit me like a Mack truck. In looking back now at the time, it feels like, no, I was just having a normal day and I was just humming right along and it just came out of nowhere. I have certain triggers that will get to me and looking back, you know, after the fact, I can be like, Oh, Oh, I heard that. Or, Oh, I smelled that. That's what caught me. And, you know, it hasn't happened in a long time, thank goodness. But when it did, and I'm, you know, if you've had those experiences, you know how that feels. Uh, and you feel pretty isolated in that, little panic bubble that you find yourself in. And for me, it's just like, oh my goodness, I'm just leaving my cart right here. I'm getting in my car and I'm going home. I'm not even going to make it through the checkout line without wanting to scream. Yeah, absolutely. And you you talked about the tunnel vision piece and being alone and whatnot. I think a lot of people could relate to that in the sense of the world, almost the walls close in on you, right? And all you have is what's going on inside of you, both your body and your mind, those feelings, the physical sensations. So I think that's a really good way to put it. And I think it's something that's important to d talk about, you know, on this topic. Um, for me, right, I, I've had, I talk about them. I've had two legitimate panic attacks. There are other times where I've been nervous, right? And I'm like heightened state of anxiety, but the panic attacks, I think, I think if you've been through one, like as, as you said, you have, Kim, it's like, you really know, right? You get to this point where you lose sense of time and the ability to think straight and you can't see as well. You have this tunnel vision and whatnot. So for me, it was, you know, both times. So the first one, I talk about both of these in my first book. The first one, I was on a date with a girl that I liked in high school and we are our relationship, we, we had been on three or four dates, the relationship seemed to be souring a little bit. But you know, I'm 18 years old, I have no maybe I was 17, to be honest, I have no idea what I'm doing, like, you know, young love, whatever you want, whatever you want to say. And um, it, she was just kind of giving me the cold shoulder, it was hard for me to like, tr basically get her out on another date, but she didn't necessarily say like, I don't want to hang out with you. I was just, oh, some, something's off here, but I'm not totally sure what it is. And so eventually, I got her to hang out with me again. And when we when we hung out, I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, you know, like I really like this girl and I hope it's going well, but it kind of seems like it's not going well. So let me ask her like kind of what's going on here. Right. And immediately when I was thinking about that, I was like, that is a bit of a confrontational question to ask or a, a, a subject to broach, if you will. Right. So I'm sitting there and I'm kind of like, you know, how do, how do I get this out of my mouth to be like, so what's going on with you? And like, how, you know, are, are we an item? Are we not? Whatever. However, I phrased it. 
I think it was, I'll say aggressive in the sense that it was to the point. It wasn't mean or anything like that, but it was just to the point. And I think quickly she was sort of like, well, yeah, like, you know, things haven't been going so well because like I'm kind of seeing this other guy, right? And as that is happening, like I was already nervous about broaching the subject of like, how do I, how do I, you know, ask about this? How do I talk about this, this scary subject? Because again, young, I was 17 years old, young guy, didn't have a ton of experience, really liked this girl. And, you know, as she's like, hey, this is not going to work out. We shouldn't see each other anymore. Like I was at the time, right at the time, I was kind of devastated. I was just a boy. And so in that moment, like with all those things going on, I fell into a panic attack. I was so, so nervous. I was like, oh, my God, what's happening right now? A little bit of overwhelm, right? Sense of like, oh, uh, you know, I'll be honest, right? I, I liked this girl too much. And it was sort of all at once being like, oh, geez, like not not my world collapsing or anything like that, but like. I, I was starting to make plans in my head with this person or whatever. And right. And it's like, okay, that that's not, that's not going to happen. And not only am I scared to talk about the subject in front of her right now, but then also she's telling me it's not going to work out. So a lot of emotions going there at the same time. And it was like, as we're having this conversation, as she's saying, whatever she is saying to me, I can barely think my heart is racing so fast. Um, you know, again, like you said, the walls are closing in and whatnot. And I remember her turning to me and being like, are you okay? Like, I feel your, your shirt is like pulsating. And I was, I was beside myself. I had no idea what to say. Right. And also I was 17 years old. I was a stubborn kid. Like, you know, I think maybe nowadays I'd be a little bit more receptive and open to being, to say to the person, like, look, I'm having a hard time with this right now. I'm a little nervous or whatever it is. But at that moment I was, I was so guarded. I was like, no, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'm totally fine or whatever. And, um, and so it's just, Having those kinds of situations is difficult. Feeling those sensations is hard to begin with, but then also not knowing what it is that you're dealing with, right? So I I sometimes say that like if you haven't dealt with a panic attack before, if you haven't experienced that kind of thing, you may legitimately think as though you're dying, right? You might be like, this is it. I, I'm My heart is racing so fast. I am about to have a heart attack and I am going to die. And all of those scary thoughts make that situation so much worse because then you get back into your head, you create more fear, you kind of almost get these like loops going, if you will, right, where you have a physical sensation, then you have a response to it, that response is negative and fearful, all of a sudden, that response that you have then tells your informs your nervous system to keep working hard to keep revving up, and so on and so forth, we keep going through this vicious cycle. So, um, you know, I could talk about the second panic attack, but it's similar to that first one with another girl that I liked and whatnot. But you know, it's it's when you I, I think anytime you have physical sensations like that, and you don't know how to deal with them one, um, even if you do know how to deal with them, they're, they're still pretty unnerving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just like to talk about this subject, because I don't think it necessarily gets the attention it deserves. And I think also, you know, being able to share experiences with one another on this front can be helpful just to say like, hey, I know what that's like to go through. And maybe, maybe you have some strategies that I haven't used before and vice versa. No, I agree. I, I feel that this is a topic, you know, anxiety, depression. Um, I feel that it's a topic that does need to be spoken about more openly by the people who are experiencing it. You know, and I, I think there was some fear. I know for me anyway, back years ago, there was um, a, a bit of fear in that because I saw it as a sign of weakness in myself. And, you know, as a veteran, I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm one tough cookie. This isn't going to get me. And this is not what I'm experiencing. That was just a bad day. You know, you, you give yourself all these stories and all these little outs but you can only do that for so long 
until you do have to face it and get in the right direction, whether it's, you know, reaching out to someone for help, asking someone for guidance, whatever the thing is, you know, to get yourself on the right track and to help you because you do need those tools for your toolbox. You do need them. And it's nothing to be ashamed of to ask for help. No doubt. And I, I want to say thank you for your service. Um, one of the things that I, I try to remind myself of, and it's, it's easier to do on some days than others, right? Um, you had talked about like, you know, um, I'm tougher than this, right? I, or, or you didn't want to talk about certain things because you're like, I'm, I'm one tough cookie. I've, I sometimes like to look at this and say to myself, and, and this is just, I'm not casting any judgment. This is just a perspective that I have when I, when I go through these things, right? I say to myself, and again, easier on some days than others, but I say to myself, okay, I am unwilling at this moment to talk about what it is that I'm dealing with, right? And then I try to reframe that. And I say, if I were actually strong the way that I claim to myself that I am, would I be embarrassed to talk about this thing? Or would I turn around and I, I'd say, I need to go do whatever it is that I need to go do in order to deal with this topic, right? So for me, sometimes I, I try to I try to put myself back in that state and I say, um, almost as if like detach from the problem a little bit and just think of it as some other issue that that I deal with in in my regular life, right? Almost like, and I know it's I know it's not the same, but like just be like, okay, let's pretend this is a a a problem at work or a business problem, right? We wouldn't have that same emotional attachment to it where we're like, oh, kind of embarrassed to talk about it and do these certain things. We would just take action on them, right? And again, I. I'm I'm not trying to downplay anything because this stuff is so hard and I I fail with it all the time. But one thing that can be helpful for me is to say, look, like, you know, if I think that I am strong and I'm unwilling to face this, then maybe there's a little bit a bit of discrepancy there. And I know that some people say, like, you know, uh, you know, leaning on others is a strength and whatnot. And that gets cheesy or corny sometimes, but it's it's legitimately true, right? If you are willing to put yourself out there and expose the deepest, possibly darkest parts of yourself. That is a really, really strong sign of strength. And so I think, number one, we need to remind ourselves of that every once in a while. And then number two, we we sometimes need to give ourselves credit for when we take action on, on that sort of, um, I guess, that wisdom, if you will. I like how you, you use the words, <clears throat> we have to give ourselves credit. I think that that's pretty powerful because... There are, you know, it's not every day, but and for anyone out there listening that 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 does live with depression or anxiety, or is just now experiencing it, and you're not really sure what the heck is going on, you're not going crazy. You're not going crazy, but you do need to address it. I had someone say to me once, because I, when you have all this and you're trying to stuff it down, and you're telling yourself, you know, I can handle this, I'm strong, and that's just a sign of weakness, and I'm not going to let that get to me. You're just piling more stuff on yourself, more negativity on yourself. And I had someone say to me once, Kim, all of the things, all of the negative stuff that you say to yourself, how you're not strong enough and you can't do this. And, oh, you're so weak if you think this or if you feel that all of those negative things that you say to yourself, would you ever say those things to your daughter? And I thought, absolutely not. I would never tell my daughter that she was a loser or weak or, you know, buck up buttercup, suck it up. I would never do that. And then this person said to me, then why, why on earth 
are you telling yourself those things? How would you react if someone was throwing all those words in your face, someone else other than you? How would that make you feel? You're doing it to yourself. That was a light bulb for me because I think as humans, we have a tendency to put ourselves down. You look in the mirror and you don't necessarily like what you see. And you're going to put yourself down and say, oh, here we go again. Another day I woke up feeling like crap. Oh, here we go again. You'd also said you had talked about power and strength a couple minutes ago. We never know what battles people are fighting behind those masks that they put on before they go out their back door every day. And at the end of the day, just how dang tired they are from the struggle and the battle all day to keep it together. And I tell folks in that battle, you are an amazing warrior. And reason simply is because you've made it through another day. You're still here. You have a 100% success rate. Look at it that way. There's strength. There is strength in all that battling that you have to do. Because if you didn't have strength, you wouldn't be able to get through another day. You have a 100% success rate of getting through the tough stuff. So rock that. Rock it. Absolutely. I I honestly almost got a little emotional uh, as you were saying that. It's so true, you know? And I think the reason why I felt that way was just that I think we can all relate to that, right? We have days where we don't want, want to get out of it. And there are times where we, we don't want to move forward, right? And just being able to go out and live life, like hold it together, as you said, right? It, it's It's really hard sometimes. But I think the sort of the, one of the important pieces there, this is basically just me sort of recapping, rehashing what you said is we we are doing that hard work to go out and and hold it together. The problem is it's rare that we are then going back and giving ourselves credit for that, right? So I think that's something that we all could work on a little bit more. And like, you know, I talk about this at the very end of my second book is, and and this is something that basically the same thing you said, right? Was we are all very hard on ourselves and we are probably less hard on others, like probably, right? You know, in, in the same sense that you would talk to yourself differently than you would say, talk to, you know, your child. I Don't get me wrong. It's important to have standards. It's important to have goals and want to, uh, to want to try to hit them and whatnot. But at the same time, like we also have to have compassion for ourselves, right? Because if we don't, then all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, like, you know, we, you just don't, I guess you never get to a point of gratitude or being able to say, look, I felt like total crap and I persisted anyway. I did certain things, right? If you don't have that element of being able to say to yourself, like giving yourself that credit, then you're not going to be able to create any emotions that might then potentially help you get through the struggle that it is that you're facing. And sure, there are other ways to cultivate emotions and whatnot. But, you know, I guess the piece that I wanted to talk about was like, it is great to have standards. It's great to have those goals. But how often is it that when we are hard on ourselves, it actually leads to good things? You know what I mean? It's. <laughs> I feel like it's pretty rare. Um, so maybe rethinking that a little bit and saying, yes, I still want to have the goals, but... I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to be so hard on myself in pursuit of a specific goal, a specific emotion, whether it's something related to my mental health, that I've caused myself to feel worse and then, let's say, come upon an even worse outcome. I guess the the goal, right, is we want to be something of a coach to ourselves, a good friend, even a best friend to ourselves to say, look, 
I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You like you or I, what right? If I'm talking to myself, Brian, you have fallen off track, but I'm not going to beat you up over that. I'm going to say, look, you don't want to be off track. So like here, man, like here's a little, let me help put a little pep in your step. Let's get realigned with what it is that you're after and keep going. Um, Cause you know, it's like, if somebody says to us like, Hey Kim, like you're a no good X, Y, Z, whatever. It's like, as soon as those words come out of that person's mouth, you're like, all right, pal, see you later. You know? So I think it is important. Give ourselves credit you know, have those standards, but don't be so hard on ourselves that we decide that we want to take another path. And, you know, at the end of the day, what all of this conversation is about is just trying to usher ourselves toward those better feelings, those better outcomes that we're looking for. So uh, any way that we can do that is great. But in, in my experience, and in my opinion, I think that, you know, again, having a little bit more compassion for yourself and all that you go through, because let's face it, like you said, a lot of us are just struggling to hold it together. That is no small feat. So that's right. And I completely agree, 100%. We've, we've got to give ourselves credit. You got to give yourself credit. Even if you had a bad day or a good day, a bad day still holds some good moments in it that, you, that it was a win for you. And then when you have one of those good days and it's just like a big old win, you're jumping up and down like a cheerleader, rock that stuff, man. You know what? Give yourself credit, pat yourself on the back, whatever. <clears throat> Go get yourself an ice cream I don't know, whatever it is that you would do to celebrate. I don't even know why I came up with ice cream, but give yourself the credit for, for those wins, whether they're big or small, because it's still a win. It's still a win. And so many people, so many people I know live with or deal with anxiety, depression, maybe not on a daily basis, but it's been in their life. Maybe it's hanging out in the back room. They just haven't let it out for a while, you know? Everybody at some point in their life is going to go through a depression. Everyone, because life is hard, can be very hard. I think everyone will experience some form of anxiety. Maybe they might not recognize it for what it is. Maybe you get anxious driving across a bridge, climbing a ladder. That's anxiety. That's little forms of anxiety. You just have to recognize them for what they are. That's at least how I look at it. I have to recognize it before. I didn't recognize it. Now I recognize it and see it for what it is. And then I know where it needs to be placed, you know, yeah. which is not in my day-to-day -day thing. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I, I think, and it, we don't have to wrap here, but I think that it'll be an interesting point that I wanted to add was, so I know that you have the the nuggets of of uh, of wisdom, right? Or nuggets of nuggets hope. of hope, yes. Nuggets of hope. So, what I wanted to talk about, and sorry for kind of just injecting this, but I feel like it. The conversation is steering there in in a in a good way. Is so the nugget of hope that I wanted to put forth was the notion that the words and the language that we use to describe our experiences often dictates those experiences, adds meaning um, to those experiences, right? So you talked about. Okay, somebody may get anxious driving over a bridge. Somebody may get anxious, you know, going up a ladder. If we think about that experience, right? So you, we can get into semantics and whatnot, and we can say anxiety is future-oriented fear, and also like so, it's you know, it, it's basically being scared about something that isn't yet here today. Maybe we are scared in this moment, but the the 
the situation or the prospect or the the thing that we are scared about is is still probably not yet here today. Now, obviously, there's the whole like, oh, well, I was nervous about this thing for a week, and now I'm finally there. But let, let's kind of ignore that piece for a minute, because that's the anxiety that we then brought into the event, right? But so it's basically like, if anxiety is future-oriented fear, and also we want to say that anxiety is, you know, it, it has that sort of clinical element where basically... Um, it is fear that prevents you from doing the things that you want to do and living the life that you want to live, right? So some people will say, what is the point at which, um, you know, I, I get nervous, but what, like, when does that nervousness tip into, uh, you know, me having an, an anxiety disorder? The disorder piece is, you know, I am unable to live my life the way that I want to because this specific emotion is holding me back. So if I go back to that that nugget of of hope, right, is is basically saying that, okay, the way we describe our experiences can essentially add meaning to them and almost shape them in the way that we describe them. If I am on a ladder and I am saying I am anxious, um, that is a very, very strong emotion when I'm only on the ladder for like maybe a minute, maybe 30 seconds, whatever it is. But if you boil it down to what that core emotion is, that emotion is fear, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if we want to experience less of whatever that emotion is, um, to a degree, this doesn't work all the time, but you know, this is sort of a, a principle that's based in cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, as some people are familiar with it. Um, the idea is to describe that, that emotion and that feeling and that experience a, a little bit with a little bit, almost like, I don't want to say euphemisms, right. But like describe it a little, a little bit intensely. So rather than saying, I am so anxious when I get on ladders, it's like, I don't love ladders. Sometimes they make me a little bit nervous, right? And so I think that so I've used this strategy in my own life to basically, you know, okay, I'm going to a job interview and I and I am nervous about it. Maybe I am anxious about it or whatever. Um, but if you go into that situation, you say, these kinds of things are the 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 worst things in my life. And every time I go on a job interview, I have soul crushing, overwhelming anxiety. You are creating more of that emotion and that experience inside your body, right? So one of the things that you know this this wisdom, uh, excuse me, this nugget of uh, of hope that I I wanted to put forth to people was try out the idea of describing some of the things that you face with a little bit more optimistic or positive language, and see if that doesn't change the way that those experiences then appear uh, in in your own life and the way that you they. It, that that uh, excuse me the language doesn't also then change the way you make sense of that experience and the goal right is to sort of reframe our entire experience with either anxiety or depression or or something on the mental health front to be able to say okay my heart's racing a little bit again rather than saying i am on the verge of a panic attack maybe i say hey i'm a little excited right now i'm a little nervous right now whatever it is so um again because something like this is rooted in or like this is uh this this sort of tactic is is related to CBT cognitive behavioral therapy there are some you know some research studies out there that prove that this sort of thing is effective but at the same time um you know different strategies work for different folks and so i want people who are listening to try that out and see if it works for them and the the i guess the the hope piece is you know this has worked for me and it's worked for a lot of other folks and that i so that i hope that folks that are listening in would find the same happens to them can't guarantee it but i do know that at the very least right it's like we to a degree have control some control over our emotions and some of that control comes from the language that we use and so i guess again that the hope piece is i hope that in describing 
some of the things that you encounter in a different fashion, you'll make yourself feel a little bit better. And you'll have that self-compassion for yourself. Allow yourself to be your own best friend and give yourself that credit that you need and all the things that we've talked about throughout this episode. So that's kind of what I wanted to leave folks with. I felt like everything that we were talking about on that episode led up to that moment for one reason or another. Um, but yeah, it just felt right. You know, what you're talking about, you're reframing the scene. Reframe the scene, you know? I don't know. That's how it, that's how the picture that popped in my head. I, I, I see a lot of things in pictures. <laughs> I visualize a lot of things. So when you were talking about that and explaining it, that's my, it was just going through my head. You're reframing the scene, take the negative out and put positive words in there. You know, I know it's not, that's easier said than done, but that's just another tool that you can pop in your toolbox. You know, if that doesn't work, that's okay. You tried it, try it again later at another time. You never know. Yeah. Or on to the next one. We got, we got, right. we got plenty right. more. So you've got two books. So I want to, I do want to touch on those briefly. Uh, you've got two books. So share the names of those books and where they can be found. Yeah. So book one is get out of your head, a toolkit for living with and overcoming anxiety. Book two is get out of your head. Volume two, navigating the abyss of depression. You can find those books on most of the retailers. Uh, I think, you know, probably easiest to find them on Amazon, but they're on Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Apple Books as well. Uh, they, I do have audio versions of them if you want to look for them on Audible. If you want to head to my website, you know, a lot of that information is there as well. So the website is getoutofyourhead.com. Um, I will say, unfortunately, on Amazon there, well, I guess on every bookstore, but there is another book that has sold very well um, with the same title. And I've had some legal issues uh, with that book. Um, but so basically like if you, if you find a different book by a non-male author, uh, you will know it's not me, I hope. Um, and you will look for mine. So just, just be on the lookout for that. It, it has caused confusion in the past. And sometimes people have reached out and been like, I think I bought the wrong book. And I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> just need to tweak that title a little bit then, Brian. Put a dash in there somewhere. For sure. Makes it a whole different title. So folks, go and check out his books on Amazon. That's probably is the easiest place to find them. Um, Brian, this has been awesome. This has been a great conversation. And I, I know that we could sit here and talk for a really long time about many other things as well around this whole topic. But I want to thank you so much for your time and for sharing so transparently your journey and, you know, how, how, you, how you navigate through the days and through, you know, your anxiety and depression when that might creep its ugly little head out there. Uh, throughout your days. So thank you very much for sharing that and for being my guest today on Let Fear Bounds. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Kim. And, and likewise, I appreciate you uh, really having an open and honest conversation with me as well, because some of these things aren't easy to talk about, you know? No, they're not. No, they're not. But you know what? It does seem to get a little easier. And no I doubt. keep in the back in my head, there's someone out there listening that needs to hear something of what we're saying. Maybe not everybody needs to, but there's at least one person out there that's going to get something from it. And that's, to me, that's worth it. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce and all of you out there listening. Thanks for tuning in and spending a part of your day with myself and Brian. It's been an awesome conversation. Tune in each Wednesday, folks. New episodes go up each Wednesday. This is Kim Langling, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed. 
And that is a wrap, my fearless friends. Thanks for bouncing along with me on another episode of Let Fear Bounce. I hope you're feeling a bit motivated and ready to take on any challenge that might come your way in the coming days. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Let Fear Bounce. Tune in each week for your dose of inspiration from my amazing guests from all over the world. So until next time, keep bouncing forward and stay fearless, my friends. Everybody be well, stay well, and above all, be blessed. Thank you.